0: Scripture reading this morning is from book of Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria unto the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be
1: to God. Well, if we haven't uh, met yet, my name is Gray, and uh, very glad to have you with us this morning. If this is your first time, see some new faces out there. Thanks for coming into a new environment and uh, new people, new places where the bathroom is, all types of things, new ways of worshiping. I know every church is a little different. It's strange for some of you maybe to uh, read these prayers out loud. Maybe you didn't grow up in a church like that, um, but I hope that you feel warmly welcomed this morning. and I'd love to meet you right after the service. We are beginning today a new study in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And we're doing so for a very particular reason. Uh, it wasn't announced earlier, but you'll notice in the bulletin that there is an announcement for our second anniversary coming up. Um, so we are starting year three as Ascension Church of Phoenix. We have a story before that. If you come to our Ascension 101 class, you'll hear more of the story before that. But two years ago we became Ascension Church of Phoenix, and we're going to have Uh, one of our soup nights. We're going to have a time of remembrance and thanksgiving and prayer. And it's during this time of the year that I like to talk a little bit about vision uh, for our church. It seems like an appropriate time near our anniversary. And uh, so far, at least, we've always talked about the Ascension, which is our name, Ascension Church of Phoenix. And we are named after the great event in history, the great event of our salvation, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. Um, He he was raised from the dead, the resurrection, and then he ascended into heaven. And so the first year that we became Ascension, uh, two years ago, we started out with a series on the Ascension itself, four sermons about what the Ascension means. And continuing that theme, last year, we started a series on the Psalms of Ascent. That's Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 about the upward life of God which connects to Christ's ascension. Well, this year we're beginning the book of Acts during this time because the book of Acts begins with the ascension of our Lord Jesus. The book of Luke ends with the ascension, and the book of Acts begins with the ascension. This is the story of Christ after he was raised from the dead. And it's always a good idea to look at what the Bible says about the church itself. The church in the book of Acts What greater model do we have to study what kind of church we are to be than to look at the Acts of the Apostles? This book was written by Luke. Um, He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and in many ways, this is part two of that Gospel. Luke uh, was a physician. Paul, um, in one of his letters, calls him the beloved physician. We think maybe perhaps he was at times Paul's own personal doctor. He traveled with Paul as Paul was planting churches on his missionary journeys. But Luke was um, a writer as well. This this book, as well as the Gospel of Luke, are in this beautiful, elevated Greek. Um, They they are what he calls an orderly account uh, of, of what happened during the days of Jesus and then what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven this is his account. It is beautiful. It is historical. Luke tells us that he, um, he interviewed eyewitnesses. This is an orderly account. He interviewed probably, we think, Mary as well, the mother of Jesus. Why? In Luke's gospel, the, the account that we always read Luke at Christmas, right? because Luke is so tender with Mary, and it's like the words are coming straight from Mary. She talks about how I pondered all these things in my heart and this this beautiful moment of the birth of Jesus. And so he interviewed people and he picks up the story from the gospel. It ends with the ascension. And now in this second book, the, the Acts of the Apostles, Luke continues his story 40 days after Jesus is raised from the dead. And we begin our study there. Let's ask the Lord for his help this morning by his spirit. Father in heaven, we are already so full, already have received the gospel, confessed our sins, and been assured of your grace to us. And so we're already full, Lord, but your word gives us more. It gives us more to feed on, to delight in, more to be encouraged by and challenged by. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So I pray that by your spirit, you would be here to calm us, to gentle us, to convict us, to show us what it means to follow after Christ with everything. We pray this in that name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, before I planted Ascension Church, I was an assistant pastor at our mother church, New Valley Church in in Chandler. And uh, I remember when I was working there, one time a new coffee shop opened up just down the street. And this is in the East Valley. Not, they're not blessed like we are here in downtown with all these great coffee shops, all right? So um, we can slam on them a little bit, right? Uh, so this new coffee shop opened up, and I was excited. And I stopped in, and I picked up a coffee to go. And it was really good coffee. It was from a great roaster in the Pacific Northwest. And I enjoyed it. So I told the other staff, hey, we've got to go check out this place some more. We've got to give them our support. They just opened up right down the street. So we decide to have a staff meeting there, and we go and we order our coffee, and we're talking up to the barista a little bit, and uh, the barista says, well, since you guys are right in the area here, uh, do you want to become a member of the coffee shop? And we're like, membership, that's, that's strange, uh, tell us more, maybe so. And so he ends up describing uh, their, their membership in that process, and um, he's like, you can basically work here anytime, you know, there's, there's some perks involved with it. And, um, and they were like, oh, so we can't really work here today. We were going to have our staff meeting here. We need to be members first. And he was like, well, no, no, no. You can, you can still hang out here anytime you want. Um, we just start trying to create a community of members. And we're kind of like, what's going on here? If we have a membership, uh, what, what, what does the membership mean if it, if it doesn't mean that? We were a little confused. And so we just stayed for a little while and then left because we felt really awkward about it. But... It was clear they hadn't figured out their thing yet, right? Uh, it was a new place, so we gave them a lot of grace. We're like, that's a little strange, uh, but you know, we'll give them we'll give them some grace. So the next time I go in, they're literally selling gift cards at the front, <laughs> uh, like you know, place like in a like in a grocery store. You go and buy Buffalo Wild Wings or Applebee's gift cards. They had one of those stands at the front of the coffee shop, and I thought this is the weirdest thing. Who goes to a coffee shop? to buy a gift card but again we give them grace because you know it's hard business is hard I'm sure they need this and so I say I'm going I'm to keep going the, the next time I went I kid you not <laughs> outside next to their huge sign of the name of the coffee shop I'm not going to tell you what it is I'm going to speak ill of them they had a huge neon sign that said we buy and sell gold And you walked in and they had a case full of gold watches, (laughs) and there was like a scale behind the counter where they could weigh the gold. It was so weird. It's like this is now a pawn shop. It was so strange. And we just had this experience. What is this place? There's like no identity to it. So I stopped going. It's too weird. It is not my intent in uh, this sermon or any other that comes from this to speak ill of other churches, or uh, to say that we're better or you know somehow superior or in any way. If you're if you're new here or if you've know, if you've been here before, you know that's not our heart here. But I do have a concern for the American church, and it's analogous to the story that I just told. I see something analogous happening in our churches. The sense of what are we doing here? What is the identity of this place? Are we primarily and only maybe a community? Many churches talk about that. Hey, we're a community here and that's really all that we care about. We're a community. Churches should be communities, but if that's the center, that's what churches say. Are we primarily a place for experiences, like where people go and there's a concert and there's a, there's a feeling of closeness to God, and, and uh, if we have that kind of experience, then it's a good day at church. Are we an activist organization, a political entity, left or right, where, you, uh, where you're encouraged to go out and, and make the world a better place, some, find some version of the good, and, and is here the place where you get encouraged to go and live that out? Is this a nonprofit? Is this a, a community hub where basically we're just encouraged to, um, to, to get a task to do to make the world a better place? Is this a therapeutic center where uh, we learn who, who we are as people and, and just uh, try to understand our personalities or something like that? And if you go to many churches, you will find some version of, of those things emphasized. And there is a sense in which we need to ask first, what really should be our identity as the church of Jesus Christ? And if it's unclear, if it's not clear what it is that we do here, why are we surprised when people are frustrated or they find other solutions? Well, I can find a better concert. I can find a better therapist than this pastor on the stage. What, What is this that we're doing? What is our identity? Well, what is it supposed to be? The early church within the first few hundred years, they gathered around creeds saying what they believed. And we're going to say one in just a few minutes after we take communion, the Nicene Creed. And in that, we will say that we believe in the church. What is that? The description is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I'll have to skip over the first two adjectives. One or the three, one, holy, Catholic. I know people have questions about why we even say that, So we're a Presbyterian church. More on that later. I can't go there today. But I'm going to go to that third one, apostolic. And as we begin the Acts of the Apostles, it is important for us to know that we are an apostolic church. What does that mean? We are built on the foundation of the apostles themselves. We are studying their Acts the Acts of the Apostles, so that we can have our identity as an apostolic church. Here's what I mean. We are an apostolic church if we continue in what the apostles themselves witnessed, believed, and shared. We are an apostolic church if we continue, not creating our own identity, not deciding ourselves what is the purpose of this, but if we continue in what the apostles themselves believed. Witnessed and shared. What are those things? Well, we're going to be looking at the rest of the book to answer that question, but let's begin with this three unities of the apostolic church. Three things that every church that is apostolic should gather around, should continue in. Here's the first one The church, the apostolic church, has one foundation. One foundation. What is that foundation? The answer is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1 with me. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when He was taken up after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This Jesus is the theme that Luke picks up. He continues, he says, he's writing to this uh, person, Theophilus, we don't know much about, but he's saying, I wrote to you the first time in the Gospel of Luke. And what was that about? It was about Jesus. He mentions his name here. With all that Jesus, who is this person? Well, in in that Gospel, he tells the story of his life. He tells the story of his birth of His life and of His death and of His resurrection and His ascension. And I want you to notice something. When Luke begins this, he doesn't say, as many people say, part one was about Jesus, part two is about the church. You actually expect him to say that. In the first one, I talk to you about Jesus, what He did and what He taught before His ascension, until the day when He was taken up. But Luke doesn't finish his thought. It's almost like he's saying... This is part one of his birth and everything that led up to his ascension. And now part two is about what Jesus is doing after his ascension. The second part is still about Jesus. The early church was about Jesus. It's what the ascended Christ is doing in the world. What he did before the ascension and what he did after the ascension. And if you look at these first 11 verses of the book of Acts, it tells us the whole story in a nutshell of Christ, Jesus, he mentions his name, Jesus, this person. If we were reading a book of theology, we would say, well, if you want to study Jesus, you study his person and you study his work, his person this Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He was overshadowed. Uh, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. He would be shown to be the Lord of heaven and earth, the great I Am, God Himself. And Luke says here, all that Jesus began to do and to teach and what we'd say about what He did and what He taught, we would call that His work. The person of Jesus and the work. What was this work? What did Jesus do? Well, the Bible tells us he lived a sinless life. What did he teach? He taught primarily about the kingdom of God. After he taught, we know the story, he died. That's what he did. It was his plan. His death was planned. It was not a political death, just just that. It wasn't just a death by example. It was an atoning death on behalf of his people. And what happened next? Well, Luke continues, verse 3, he presented himself alive. To them. After his suffering by many proofs, this is the resurrection. He convinces his apostles of his life over 40 days. What happens next? The ascension. Verse 9. Skip down with me to verse 9. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. The ascension. What does that mean? Well, I did four sermons on you. I have to go back and listen. But In a nutshell, this is Christ over all. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He has ascended to show His lordship. And what's after that? The second coming. You notice how it's mentioned in verse 10 and 11. And while they were gazing into heaven, as He went, behold two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The second coming of Christ is finishing the loop. His descent, ascent. He descends again. And he will judge, if we were reading the creed right now, Come to judge the living and the dead. To restore the earth. This 11 verses in a nutshell, Luke says, this is what the apostles were about. The ascended Christ and all of what He had said and done and taught and even the hope of His coming again. The foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. There's a great hymn. I don't think we sing it here, but we could certainly brush it off and bring it back for this series on Acts of the Apostles. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the Word. From heaven He came and sought her to be His holy bride. With His own blood, He bought her. And for her life, He died. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. And we should pause here and say, are you a part of the apostolic church? Well, to answer that, you need to believe, witness, and share what the apostles believed was their foundation. It was Christ Himself. You must believe in Christ. All of Christ. All of Him. Christ must be your foundation. All of it. He was born of a virgin. Miraculously. Yes, you must believe in miracles. Why? What are we doing here if we don't believe in in a God who can change things and can work outside of time and history? If we don't believe that, then what are we doing here? What is the purpose of this? They believed that Jesus was born of the virgin. That He was truly man. That He was truly God. That He was sinless. That He taught things. That he taught about the kingdom of God. You must believe those things. Even the unpopular bits about marriage and sex and hell. You must believe that his death was an atoning death. Yes, even that satisfies the wrath of God. That his resurrection was bodily, physical, That his ascension showed him to be Lord of all heaven and earth, and that he will come again to judge the earth. This is what the apostles taught, believed, clung to. This was their foundation. Let me put it to you negatively. If you don't believe what Luke says about Jesus, then you have a different foundation than the apostles. But let me put it to you in the form of an invitation. To let go of your own understanding of the world. Your own doubts and your fears and your control. Don't build your own foundation. Don't build your own foundation. It is not only so much work. There is no sense that you can know. Is this true? Is it real? Is it good? Build your life on the apostolic foundation. That is on Jesus Christ. All of Christ. The church is a group of people who believe in Jesus, all of Christ. The church has one foundation. Secondly, the church has one extraordinary power. One extraordinary power. What is that power? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives instructions and a mission. Look at with me the instructions first in verse 4. While staying with them, Jesus says he ordered them Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait, Jesus instructs, for the Spirit. Now today we have to be really brief about the Spirit, but we are going to be talking a lot about the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. What is this baptism? This is referring to Pentecost, what happens in the next chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going to get there. And he says, Not many days from now, this Spirit will come. Well, it turns out there's not many days. It's ten days. Jesus was raised. and 40 days, he was with his disciples. And then ten days later, the Holy Spirit comes after the ascension, which is why we call it Pentecost. Pentecoste is just 50th, 50th in Greek. It's 50 days after the resurrection. The Spirit comes. How does the Spirit come? He comes in power. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does this mean that they receive power? Weren't they already powerful? Hadn't God's Spirit already been with them? Yes. But this is something unique. This is something different. The Spirit of God is going to breathe life on these apostles, and their acts are going to form the New Testament church. A church will be born, not by the skills and the talents of these men, but by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Just one example of this. I mean, think about this. Peter, the Apostle Peter, it's, it's not even been 10-2 months since he denied Jesus. Three times he lied to a little girl at Jesus' darkest hour. He abandoned Christ. And this same Peter, not three months later, not three months, will preach at Pentecost and by the power of the Holy Spirit will tell the whole story of Christ and 3,000 people will join the church. Fearless. How do you explain that? There is no human explanation. This is the power of the Spirit of God. It is the only power that the church has. It is the power that we lose. When we drift from being an apostolic church, we drift from the power of the spirit to human-centered power. And so much of our power in the church seems focused on what humans are doing. What are we going to do? What's our 10-year vision? What's, uh, what's our plan for, for, for everything? How are we going to change the world? We can't change the world. We don't have the power even to change one city block Though we are for this community. We cannot change them without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, everything, the words that we say, our time together, the community that we build, the, the, the works of justice and mercy that we certainly should be doing as a church will all fall flat without the one extraordinary power of God by the Spirit. And if there's anything we know about the Spirit of God from the Bible, it is that it cannot be controlled. We don't invite the Spirit. We don't command the Spirit in our presence. We let the Spirit do His work. The Bible says the Spirit is like a wind. It blows where it wills and we don't know where it's going. So if we want the power, as an apostolic church, we pray for the Spirit of God. We ask for the Spirit of God to come. And give us power for his work. What is his work? This is the third and final thing this morning. The church has one global mission. One global mission. Jesus' final words on earth before he ascends give us a rebuke and a mission. A rebuke and a calling. Look first at the rebuke. Verse six When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power. You see the contrast there? The apostles are still thinking, even at this stage, that what God is primarily going to do is restore to them the power of Israel, the nation of Israel. And Jesus says, don't go there in your minds. Don't get distracted. In other words, there's always a temptation for the church to be distracted trying to be God. Trying to know the times and the seasons. This is not something that we do as an apostolic church. We don't obsess over charts and graphs and and knowing the end times and knowing when God is going to appear. We don't obsess over the political machinations of our country. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be informed or anything like that. It's just that the obsession with that, some places, the apostolic church does not say this is exactly what God's going to do. This is the revival that will definitely start if we do X, Y, or Z. This is not how we function. Don't do that, he says. But do this instead. Receive power from the holy spirit to be my witnesses what a huge word in the book of acts this is throughout the book of acts you will find this word witness my witnesses peter's going to use it in the sermon in the next chapter this jesus christ god raised from the dead and of that we are witnesses to be my witness where Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's hard to recreate the shock of this, even though it should have been not a shock to these apostles. But certainly, this is not what they were expecting him to say. When they said, "Will you restore this time to restore Israel?" He says, "No, not for you to know, but you will receive power to be my witnesses, not just in." Jerusalem, but in Judea, okay, that makes sense. Judea is still in our tent. It's to Samaria, the half Jewish people, to the ends of the earth, but it shouldn't have been a shock to them because God has always been more concerned with things other than Israel. Read the Old Testament, the, the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 In you, all the families of Israel will be blessed. No, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Read his call to Israel. You are to be a light to the nations, a light to the Gentiles. This was always God's plan, and it is always God's people who try to make it more internal and about what we are doing. But this is God's plan, the ends of the earth. If you go right now to a global missions conference, you're likely to hear this verse read to say, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And what you might hear somebody say is, so draw your circles. Figure out what your Jerusalem is. Is it your home? Is it your neighborhood? What's your Judea, surrounding area? Maybe it's the city that you love. Maybe your Samaria, the the greater region, maybe the country that you're in. All the way to the ends of the earth. Perhaps God is calling you to be a global missionary. Now, God may call you to be a missionary. And I hope that he does, and I hope that you respond to him if he does. But I'm here to say that that's not the primary application of this verse. What is? Jesus was right. Jesus was right. The Holy Spirit's power did what Jesus said he would do. The proof is right here in Ascension Church of Phoenix, at the ends of the earth. You can't almost get further from where this happened than where we are right now. And here we are, studying the book of the Acts of the Apostles, trying to be an apostolic church. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Not just in this area, but to the ends of the earth. This is where God's witnesses come. This is where we are. Jerusalem is a long way from here. Just coincidentally, I looked it up. We're at the same Almost the same latitude as Jerusalem, Phoenix is, just coincidentally. It's like straight east from here and a little south. Seven and a half thousand miles as the crow flies. If a crow could fly that far, I suppose. <laughs> a straight shot almost, seven and a half thousand. Think of all the peoples, all this great nation of the United States, all the, the ocean. All the way to Israel. To Jerusalem, and here we sit, trying to be an apostolic church, so the next time somebody says, have you thought about being a missionary, you can say, well, I am already an apostolic witness to the ends of the earth. How do they witness? Well, that's why we're studying the book of the Acts of the Apostles, to see how they witnessed of Christ primarily through words. They spoke the truth about Jesus. They spoke about His life and His death and His resurrection and His ascension. They told the story. But they also did other things like the acts of love that they were known for. They also did justice and mercy for those that they cared for. And also, they were known for their suffering. There are many things that the church can do, but all of those things serve one purpose. Witnessing to Christ because He is the hope of the world. And if we set our mind on that unity, that that is what our purpose is, all these things will come. Community, acts of service, helping others who are around us, being a light in this neighborhood, starting a community garden, all the things that we do as a church must be based in this, an apostolic witness to Christ. In all we do, we are His witnesses. When we worship, we proclaim His dominion. When we listen to His Word and obey it, then we are different from the world, and that is a witness. When we give a reason for the hope that's within us to our neighbor who is curious, we are witnesses. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we are witnesses. We are saying we are filled with Christ. And, And though everything else will make us hungry and thirsty again, and we've believed other things, now we come back to the truth Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is a witness. All that the church does is a witness to Christ. This is called the Acts of the Apostles. But why did they do their acts? Because they had a foundation. Christ Jesus. They knew him. They witnessed to him. Because they had a power that wasn't their own. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that power, they became witnesses. So, we're just going to call it the book of Acts for simplicity, but here's what we could name this book. This is the work of the ascended Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the acts of the apostles, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray.